0: Style three this is not. to For You The War is Over, a podcast on Second World War, Prisoner of War Escapes, hosted by me, Dave.
1: And me, Tony. And in this episode, we are covering Lance Corporal William Arthur Richards, the 42nd Field Company of the Royal Engineers. Right, so we haven't got very much on William of an early age, unfortunately, other than that he was born on the first of June 1919. He hails from Bridge End and he was a blacksmith. Now that does come up for relevance later on because obviously Mm -hmm. blacksmiths are good at making things Mm -hmm. and if you're going to escape the ability to make something is quite useful very handy yeah now he evidently was trained as a blacksmith and he worked for that for a while but he did actually join the army before the war started so we got records of him back in december 1938 as having joined up not quite sure where he served and actually his his notes on capture are pretty simple thin on the ground thin on the ground because he literally says in his uh, report i was captured." On Crete, on the 1st of June, 1941. Yes. Now, I looked into this to think, well, we've covered Crete before. We We covered it with uh, Gavelba in Series 3, Episode 8, and Dolby in the very next episode, Episode 9. So we have touched on Crete and the issues around it with the the German invasion. But it's definitely very to the point. Now, the 1st of June is relevant in two ways. The first was, it was his 22nd birthday. Mm -hmm. So not a particularly good day to be captured upon and secondly is it was the last day of the evacuation of british soldiers from the island of crete now whilst we've covered crete in a couple of other episodes it is worth actually re-establishing that it was not going well for the brits at the time 42nd field company had actually started the war in egypt and then moved up to greece in september of 1940 And then they served throughout the Battle of Crete, which started on the 20th of May with the German invasion, and it ended on the 1st of June, which was really the last day of the mass evacuation that started on the 28th of May, uh, which got 18,000 men off of the island. However, as we've seen from the other two episodes, that did leave around 12,000 British and Dominion troops still on the island, of which, of course, Richards was one of them. So I can see how his curt point of... I was captured on the 1st of June, could equate to I was one of those that was not taken off the island. So we can see that this is potentially a bit of a problem, but it is lacking in great detail, because obviously, effectively, the Germans had taken over occupation of the island completely, weird, withdrawn... So there were lots of people scattered. As we know, there was lots of partisan activity, activity for want of a better word, yes, on the island. And uh, there were lots of retributions for the natives of the of Crete Results. So that, that went on for several more months, but it did take a long time to round up all the various sales. But effectively, Richards was captured on that, that first day when everything got handed over. So, but it doesn't look like he was captured for very long.
0: No, no indeed not, because you're right, the the report is very curt and to the point. And it goes straight into his first escape attempt, which was on the 10th of June so only nine days after being captured, from a prison camp at Galatos. Now, we've obviously talked a lot about prisoner war camps over the last few series, and typically, when you think about a prisoner war camp, you think about maybe the huts, the barbed wire, the guards, towers, so on and so forth. Or you might think about the castle up on the hill, such as Colditz. And this prison camp at Galatos is more similar to the former, but on a much, much more basic scale. Okay, Because, and his description of it is, This was a large camp with tents consisting merely of a wired off portion of land near the beach in which I think there were about 8,000 prisoners of war of of various empire nationalities. So we're talking about effectively a strip of land with some wire around it when this is not a particularly secure camp. And to be fair to Richards, he recognised the opportunity that this complete lack of security around this particular camp offered to him because, as I said, after only nine days, he states "...on the 9th of the 10th of June 1941, I got out underneath the wire by detaching the strands from the pickets. There was a road running along the side of the camp distant from the sea." I crossed this and entered some vineyards. I heard some firing but did not know whether this was due to my escape being noticed or not. So, as I said, just putting a little bit of wire around a patch of land is not particularly secure. And he's kind of proven the point by Mm. (laughs) simply just picking apart a couple of strands of wire, moving them aside and crawling through. Mm. glue 3, this is not. It's not, no. no. So, having got out relatively easily... He spent a couple of days on the run, receiving food from some Greek peasants, although some refused to help him, more out of fear of the Germans and reprisals than through any, as he puts it, ill will towards him. Mm -hmm. After four or five days on the run, he got in touch with an escaped New Zealand private called Hazelmore, with whom he had come into contact, and Hazelmore put him in touch with some Greek agents. Okay. So you mentioned earlier about the partisan activity. Yes. So after only a couple of days on the run, Richards has been put in touch with these Greek partisans. And he goes on to say, During the ten months I was with these Greeks, I was occupied in sabotage and attempts to get off the island. I was with Hazel Moore all the time.
1: Now this kind of sets a theme, doesn't it? It does a little bit. Yeah, he's very good at getting out and staying out but unfortunately he ends up having to come back again on quite a number of occasions yeah, he struggles
0: to get it over the line on a couple of occasions but i must admit i'm quite impressed by 10 months spent on sabotage and other activities, other activities with the greek partisans on crete so he yeah. spent a long time now during that time he does say that he was told that if they managed to get to a certain point on the island that they stood a good chance of being taken away by submarine now you're skeptical of this Dave, I, aren't you? Yeah, I am skeptical of this <laughs> Because, first of all, the more of these you read, the more you come across sort of early in the war harebrained schemes to get people back to the UK. And that's absolutely fine, but they quite often seem to involve enormous pieces of military hardware that were almost certainly not just hanging around to be used, by escapees. Yes. So typically it might be a plane which is supposed to be coming to pick them up. Yep. Always seems unlikely especially when there's usually 70 in the south of France all waiting for this one Lysander to turn up. Or a submarine which I imagine in the middle of the Mediterranean in 1941 had other activities to focus on than picking up one or two British corporals.
1: Particularly as communicating with said submarine is not going to be that easy. Bearing Mm. in mind it would spend most of its time underwater. how a Greek splinter cell effectively of agents could be in contact with the submarine does leave somewhat to be.
0: Yes, yes. And he'd certainly not be the first one to be taken in by such opportunities. Hmm. So he says that this happened about six or seven times and on each occasion we walked as far as 70 kilometres but there was never any submarine. Now colour me shocked by that one but you think after maybe the third or fourth occasion that he's had to walk 70 kilometres for a no-show by a submarine he may have started to work out that this wasn't going to happen. I, I would have thought so. However, while I am sceptical about the submarine scheme for his escape I-, I must admit I'm certainly impressed by his other activities while on oh, the, yes. while on the island of because he states the Germans were shooting up many Greeks particularly in the area of an aerodrome about four miles away and the partisans decreased their sabotage activities because of the German reprisals on the civil population. Now in order to decrease your activities you also have to have had quite heightened activity and he does go on to describe some of this because he says, Hazel Moore and I, with some Greek partisans, set out on one occasion where the Greeks destroyed some of the lorries which were being used by the Germans and we cut the telephone wires. Orders were subsequently received that all sabotage was to cease due to the toll of reprisals.
1: Not that would be reprisals on the locals, I imagine. Yes, exactly.
0: Yeah. There were other British prisoners in the area and there were talks about possibly banding up with them, but the Greeks were actually against it because of these reprisals. They didn't want an appearance of banding up to form other partisan groups, particularly by prisoners of war. I think it's probably fair to say that it's one thing for Greeks to be fighting as partisans and causing the reprisals. I think it's another thing for British and Commonwealth servicemen to be fighting and causing reprisals upon Greek population. Yeah. So I think there was some resistance by the Greek resistance to them forming a resistance band. I get it. Yeah. However, they were willing to lodge and feed a lot of these British prisoners of war to help them out that way. Now, I did mention earlier about my scepticism of the submarine scheme, mm-hmm. and it was ultimately to prove their downfall, because after about 10 months, Richards, Hazelmore and an Australian private called White had been told by one of the Greek agents that a submarine would be arriving nearby on the 16th of March 1942. So they set off on the morning of the 14th of March, but were captured on the 15th near their ultimate destination. And they'd actually been betrayed by their guide. Right. So he had been on the run from June 41 to March 42, which is pretty impressive. Yeah. And the Germans actually later told them that they had a good man on the inside and they expected soon to round up all the British prisoners of war clearly this guide has switched sides and is leading them all straight. Which could have happened
1: because of reprisals to his family. Precisely. We don't know the circumstances.
0: I imagine it was linked. So, having been recaptured, he was then moved on first to a prison in Athens. And while there, he made another escape with six others. At about 900 hours from the basement of the young ladies' school in Athens, where... Interesting place to be. which, Which passed as a prison. I see a temporary civilian prison which was holding them because he says there were about 25 to 30 british personnel collected by the germans from various points and waiting to be entrained to germany Mm -hmm. so that's why they've converted this school into a temporary prison so the door from the washroom leading to the main street was actually bolted from the inside not the outside which seems like a pretty major security risk if i was a german i I would have said so Mm, german efficiency at its finest Before Richards managed to leave, three had already managed to dash out and got past the corner about 80 yards away, unobserved by the sentry across the road. Of the seven who got out four managed to get away, including Richards, but the last three had had to surrender because the sentry had noticed them. I see, yeah.
1: The alternative being That they were shot,
0: yeah. Yeah. So the four that managed to get away, not including the three that had already got away, the four that managed to get away split up immediately and dodged down alleyways into the open country. Now, they did have the advantage of being clothed in civilian clothing. However, he states that our complexions were compromising. I think what he's trying to say there as a white Welshman from the UK is that he didn't necessarily fit in with the Mediterranean complexion of the local Greeks I,
1: I think that's accurate, yes
0: making it quite difficult to assimilate and ultimately because of that he says he was f- free for three days when a German lorry with eight men pulled up nearby the occupants shouted jokingly at him that he was to give himself up and he said I'm a fair person and it was impossible for me to pass unnoticed which was a great disadvantage Swig. so that was escape attempt number two So this report's quite interesting because usually it does also talk about movements between camps. It will say if they've changed camps and what have you. This actually breaks it down by escape attempts. By the time of his third escape attempt, he had been moved to Lambsdorff in modern-day Lambinovici in Poland. Now we have come across that camp a lot. yeah. So with a private Ramsey, who was one of the other escapers from the school in his second attempt, he made another escape effort in September 1942 from a working party. Actually, interestingly, Ramsey had managed to stay on the run for about three months. Okay. Whereas Richard's had only been a couple of days. Mm -hmm. So Ramsey had clearly been out and about for a while, but had ultimately been recaptured. So the working party that he managed to escape from consisted of 25 persons all of them of British or Commonwealth origin. Now, the work that they were doing was planting fir trees, which actually sounds like quite a pleasant. Mm. As working parties go, it sounds better than working in some sort of mine. Yes. And it was located about four miles from the Polish border. So, for this working party, they'd been lodged in the ground floor of a large house, the front of which was on the main road and the rear fenced in by a single fence of barbed wire about seven feet high. All the windows were boarded up, and there was only one sentry on guard outside. And that's not particularly uncommon for a working party. Yeah. However, the front door was locked permanently by an ordinary front door. An external bar was put across padlocking the door. So clearly they've learned their lesson from the, the school yes. prison attack. Lock it from the outside. Yes, yeah, exactly. <laughs> now that is German efficiency. Yeah, that is, yeah. And he says that the NCO in charge of the party was an oldish man who had himself been a prisoner of war in the last war and was inclined to be a bit soft with us, which is a lucky break. Yeah. And even though they'd managed to put an external iron bar and padlock the door, they'd already managed to open the padlock from outside the front door by stealing his key. (laughs) And this is where his background as a blacksmith comes in Really useful. Really useful because he says, I'm a smith by profession and had found a key which, by cutting it slightly, would open the door lock from the inside or the outside. Brilliant. Fantastic. Because the front door was not used, it was therefore never properly inspected and just got an occasional kicking by the guard Mm -hmm. just to make sure it was secure. So this is clearly an opportunity. Yeah. And Richards, by now a veteran escaper, clearly has an eye for an opportunity to escape. Because, at about half past five in the evening, he states, Ramsey and I got out while the rest of the party, including the German NCO, were at the rear of the building in the compound. We waited until the sentry passed, opened the door and dashed across the road into the forest. This is where I think it gets quite gutsy, because he says, We were in full battle dress, had some Red Cross food and soap, which we'd obtained for cigarettes and which we intended to trade. We walked by day and lay up by night. So he is on the run, in full British Army battle dress and walking by day. It's ballsy. It is gutsy but also not the usual way normally we see if they are in full battle dress and we have seen escapes yeah. in full battle dress yeah. but normally they do travel by night or do something to their battle dress to help them to assimilate so despite the fact that they are traveling by day in full british army battle dress he managed to stay free for over a month it's good uh, going yeah very good going he says he was on the run for 35 days traveling east into poland Now, they had managed to improvise a compass made from two sewing needles, one of which was magnetised, a piece of glass and an elastoplast. Now, that in and of itself, admittedly a magnetised needle is handy, but that in and of itself doesn't particularly sound very effective. However, he does say that they tested the compass against one owned by a Polish civilian to check that it worked. And he said that it worked perfectly. Oh, that's pretty good. Yeah. So they managed to first get to Krakow and stayed there for a couple of days. And then from there, they passed through Slovakia, arriving at a location about 15 kilometres north of Budapest. Now, I looked this up. That, that's 400 kilometres in total. That's good going. In 35 days, on foot in full battle dress during the day. Yeah. Very, very impressive. So they've travelled from Poland all the way through Slovakia and into Hungary. That, this is a good effort. It is a good effort. To be fair, they were helped along the way, as he says that during this time, the Poles were quite good generally at helping And in particular, we were helped by a family near Krakow. In contrast, in Slovakia, he says it was sometimes necessary to make a show of violence before we were able to obtain food. Interesting Mm. set of words there. I wonder precisely what that means. Mm. Perhaps we shouldn't explore too closely. I I I think so, yeah. So the plan had been to go onwards towards Yugoslavia, where they understood that the partisans were in touch with the British which actually isn't a million miles away from the truth. So it's not the worst plan in the world. However, by the time that they'd read Budapest, they were pretty hungry and exhausted by this stage. And when they asked the girl to bring them some food, they suspect that when she disappeared off to get the food that she'd informed the police because they were picked up only about 10 minutes later. Yeah, shame. Yeah, especially given how well they've done in this attempt.
1: Which is attempt number three.
0: Attempt number three, yeah. So that was September 1942. His fourth attempt was in June 43, and again he escaped with Ramsey. Okay. So they escaped from a stone quarry at about 11 o'clock at night on a Saturday. Now, they'd been working for several nights on a brick wall of their dormitory using an iron pipe and a pair of pliers to start working away at the brick wall. However, rather than making a hole from the centre and trying to enlarge from there, what they actually did was went round in a circle to prise open the wall and thus made a hole big enough for them to get through. Furthermore, they did all the work while hiding under a bed in order to cover the noise while the others in the room played mouth organ and made a lot of noise to cover it. It took them four evenings to finish the job and on the fifth night they pushed the square away. So actually it's relatively quick to make a breakout. Ordinarily if you're trying to break out from inside a room inside a camp. You're usually going by tunnel and that's months long. Yeah. So this is pretty rapid. So having pushed out a hole in the wall, they then run across the compound to cut the wire, which was only about four yards away. So having cut the wire, he's joined by Ramsey and they managed to make a break for it while the guard, because there was only one guard, was at the other end of the building. Yeah. With his back turned. So they travelled all night heading towards Czechoslovakia. And after about 14 days, they got as far as the Hungarian border. So again, they make pretty good progress. However, they were picked up when crossing the bridge at Zlin. Now, they'd already actually attempt to swim across the river, but it bent round again and came back on itself almost. Hence why they tried to cross the bridge. Yeah. However, had they known, they could have actually kept following it round... So, having been arrested by the Czechs, they were then handed over to the Gestapo. Wow! Rarely a good,
1: rarely a good thing. Particularly when you've already had four attempts, your name must be getting known to them as being a bit of a, a pest. recurring, yes, pest.
0: What's interesting about this, and we've said this before, that he's quite curt in his descriptions. Is he makes no reference whatsoever to what happened with the Gestapo. Mm. So it simply says that he was handed over to the Gestapo. And then moves on to his fifth escape attempt. Now, what's good about that is clearly he did survive long enough to make an escape attempt. Yeah. We just don't know how badly he was treated Hmm. or otherwise. Now, there are some tales of being handed over to the Gestapo and getting off relatively lightly. Mm -hmm. It's not unknown, but not particularly common. You know, the Gestapo didn't get a reputation for severe brutality for no reason. Yes. However, it's not unknown to get off relatively lightly, so hopefully that's what's happened to him. Certainly he wasn't treated so badly that he didn't make more escape attempts. And by August 43, so only a couple of months later, his fourth attempt was in June 43. He was on the run for a couple of weeks, so at most early July. Yeah. By August 43, he is making his fifth escape attempt. So he can't have been with the Gestapo that long or treated that badly. Yeah. But that is all we can deduce about his time with the Gestapo. Yeah. So in August 43, by this time he was working in a rubber factory. Although there were 20 British prisoners of war working there, six of them decided to escape. Now, they were lodged in a building just outside the town on the floor above a dye works, and they'd noticed that the upper panels of the window of the boiler room on the ground floor was always open. Mm-hmm. Now, imagine the boiler room is pretty warm. Yeah. That's why the windows were always open. However, this again, as I said, he's clearly alert to opportunities to escape. So this again caught Richard's attention and they cut through the floorboards into the boiler room. Six of them managing to climb through with their kit and get out and split up immediately into pairs. Mm -hmm. Unsurprisingly, he was with Ramsay again. Okay. So clearly Ramsay has coped and survived with his ordeal with the Gestapo as well. And they had managed to remain together throughout the entirety of this time. Yeah. Once again, we did say earlier, he's pretty good at getting out and staying out. And he was free for nearly a month again. However, because of German troop movements at this time, they often had to find themselves retracing their steps in order to avoid recapture. And once again, they only got as far as Zlyn. Because they had no papers and were dressed in battle dress again, although with civilian shirts, they once again were picked up Hmm. while in Zlyn. So they'd been picked up on the outskirts of Zlin by the German police, but while they covered a lot of ground, it had been to very little effect, they hadn't travelled very far as crow flies, and therefore, while they'd covered a lot of ground, they were in quite a bad state yeah. when they were arrested. Now, as I said, he doesn't go into much detail about recuperation or anything like that. He seems to be fairly to the point and focused on his escapes.
1: And we've seen several cases before where people have had to take a month or two out to, Absolutely. to get themselves back and in And bear in mind,
0: he would have also been returning to working yeah, duty. Working not just parties. returning to a camp, but yeah. working parties. And once again, we find Ramsay and Richards working at a timber mill in October 1943. Now, it turns out that this was some form of punishment camp that they'd been sent to with this working party. It
1: goes to figure, really. Yeah,
0: after five escape attempts and narrowly avoiding various forms of German police, including the Gestapo, it's not perhaps a shock that they have ended up in a punishment camp. So on the afternoon of the 31st of October, after recreation while the guard was watching the prisoners by the cookhouse, Ramsey and Richards cut a hole in the wire six inches square through the mesh of barbed wire. As they were doing that, they said that someone started to shout, look there, two of them are trying to get away. Now, this has echoes of...
1: The NCO that dubbed in man. Private man, yeah. Yeah.
0: Exactly. However, unlike that NCO, the Germans appear to not have heard anything, and whoever shouted this out had the good grace not to run to the Germans and tell them that there were two people attempting to escape. So, having made a run for it and got into a nearby pine forest, they were once again dressed in battle dress with their greatcoats. Now it is October by this stage, yeah. so it would make sense. He says we had a compass and headed southeast towards Krakow through the forest. Apart from little chocolate, we had no food and little water for three days. Now they were waiting on the outskirts of the forest for nightfall, when they could see a town some fields away on the other side of the forest. All they knew at this stage was that they were in Poland. So, while they were waiting, the old gamekeeper saw them and tried to get away, but they called him back and questioned him in German. Now, this gamekeeper could speak it perfectly and realised that they were not German, so clearly his German was better than theirs. Yeah. But he said that if we trusted him, he would bring help, which they agreed to, and he came back a little while later. Now, he was accompanied when he came back, but with four civilians who approached them and pointed revolvers at him. Mm,
1: Not the best situation to be in.
0: Yes, slightly unnerving. So one of the four civilians could speak English and he started to question them. Now, they were searched for arms, but nothing else. And when they were satisfied that he was definitely British, they were taken to a house on the outskirts of the town that they'd spotted, which was Chestakova. And then given a the meal, a bath, and the great coats were exchanged for civilian clothing. Ah, well, that's better. So they are starting to be helped. Clearly, they've passed this interrogation. Hmm. Now, we ha- again, we have heard before that when they come across perhaps some civilian resistance group, they are interrogated quite heavily, underarm. So this is clearly what's happened, and clearly they've passed it. After they've been fed, they were asked what they wanted to do, and they replied that they wanted to get back to the U.K., However, a Polish officer, who was quite clearly senior by the way he spoke to the other officers and spoke very good English, appealed to them to join the underground movement. And he showed them some papers in English to the effect that British prisoners of war could and should join up because they would be just as effective as rejoining their own lines, stressing that they would be joining Allied fighting forces if they did join the Polish partisans. Mm -hmm. So having agreed to that, their particulars were taken and they were given a revolver each. However, they were told that they would have to wait until confirmation of their particulars came through back from London. So they were handed over from house to house by the partisans for about a month until they eventually got this confirmation. And during that time, they took no part in operations until the Poles got the confirmation on their identity. Yeah. So eventually they got this confirmation on the 15th of December 1943 and he was to stay with the Polish partisans for the next 14 months until the 8th of January 1945. That's significant. Yes, very impressive going. So what this group of Polish partisans used to do was gain the confidence of pro-Germans and then beat them up. And in his words, if they did not mend their ways thereafter, they were usually killed. Hmm. However, he also says that I could not do this cold-blooded shooting, but I used to guard the roads and maintain a getaway. And he was with a section of about 30 all the time, irrespective of the job stating they were all extremely brave men and hold the British in very high esteem. Now, he does go into some detail on some of the various actions that he saw during those 14 months, including, he states, "...once we ambushed the Krakow Gestapo chief and his second-in-command. We were informed that they were due to raid a village about 25 kilometers south of Krakow, so we ambushed three staff cars and two buses and killed the chief and eight others, and four ambulances came later to take away the wounded. A clearly, significant number of wounded as well. If it required four ambulances to remove them, mm. in return the action took only forty-five minutes, and they had only one man wounded. So that's pretty good going. Yeah. Equally, in September '44, they had a fight with German troops. Now, I suspect from the way he describes this that they may have been ambushed by the Germans, because of course the Germans were trying to hunt down partisans at this time. Because he states there were two thousand German troops against our two hundred and seventy of whom not all of them were armed. That's incredible. So they're outnumbered 10 to 1, basically. And of those who were armed, it's probably even greater odds than that. This action took place during three whole days and four nights, so it was continuous fighting for nearly four days. We inflicted casualties on 97 of them, with many more wounded, to the extent that the Germans had to rig up a hospital tent in the field. God...
1: Good going. Brutal, though.
0: Yes, absolutely. And in return, they lost 18 killed and 20-odd wounded. No prisoners were taken on either side. And after this, his unit was dispersed and they were told to report to another commander in another division. Having re-reported to the next division, he was mostly deployed on instructing them how to handle a brain gun, hand grenades and demolition material parachuted in by the British. mm mm-hmm. And he was with them from the end of September 44 until obtaining his discharge in January 1945 after the Russians arrived. Now, there's a little bit of an echo of the Easterbrook and man escapes there coming up. is, isn't up. there? Yeah. Because he says, together with Ramsey, I lay low for the Russians were now arresting all partisans. So that's very similar to how they treated Easterbrook and Mann, both separately and together, once they'd eventually joined up right at the end of their escapes. Because after their escape, both had fought with the Polish partisans themselves, and then had been arrested individually by the Russians for their part in partaking in the fighting with the Polish partisans. So there's very much an echo of that going on here. Yeah. So, what Richards then says is that when they heard that a prisoner of war train was due for Odessa, he managed to stow away on board and reported to the British Red Cross mission at Odessa. So, he's circumventing the Russians here, which, again, harking back to Easterbrook and Mann, was a smart move. Yeah. Because the Russians really were not keen on moving them on.
1: Yeah, so it's interesting, because obviously he was discharged from those duties at the start of January '45, and there's obviously several months to go of the war. Mm-hmm. But it's interesting that he received a certificate, effectively, from that commandant of the district that he'd last worked with. And it says that, I certify that non-commissioned officer of His Majesty's forces, William Arthur Richards, after his escape from a German prisoner of war camp, has spent the time from the day 15th of December 1943, And served in a division of partisan till this day without interruption. He took part in actions made against the forces of the enemy. In these actions he presented himself as a reliable soldier, courageous and brave. His behaviour has been without complaint. So glowing reports there from the partisan, but obviously that gave him the ability to travel, you know, and justify himself that he's actually been working pretty hard as he makes his way back from Odessa, I guess. But yeah, that's interesting as well, because he would have then returned home with that information. You know, it must have been a real heavy time, and he must have got involved in a lot of things that he didn't really wish to be involved with.
0: Yes, indeed. And in actual fact, he does describe a little bit of what his experience was with the Polish partisans. And we we don't have any other information on... No, we don't.
1: Post-war. ...on Richards.
0: They've got no post-war information, which, as we always say, is not uncommon for someone of his rank. There's often not a lot of information of non-commissioned officers or privates. Again, we don't have any information, but he does describe his experience of fighting with the partisans. So he states, We had many battles with the Germans, and when things became difficult, we withdrew into the forest where the Germans were reluctant to follow us. We blew up several ammunition trains going to the eastern front. We shot up many Germans on, on one occasion. Six of them practically ran into me when I was ready with a Sten gun. I was able to spray the lot. We lived in a day-to-day existence and there was no mercy on either side.
1: Well, thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed that. If you'd like to subscribe, we're on Apple iTunes, Google Podcasts, or indeed any of your favourite podcast platforms.
0: Or you can find us on Twitter and Facebook by searching at F-Y-T-W-I-O.
1: Or if you want to send us a more long-form message, you can email us at F-Y-T-W-I-O podcast at gmail.com.